guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. And guys, I have the ambiance right now. I have a candle burning. It's like a very soft glow in my room. It's late evening. I have a glass of chilled wine next to me. I wish it was a martini, but you know what? We will, this will suffice. A crisp white Sauvignon Blanc. I have a story about a badass pirate queen for you guys. Later in this episode, I have all of my beautiful organized notes in front of me that I won't even read off of because I'm the classic person that has the notes, like writes the notes, but like doesn't reference them, just like goes off the cuff. But anyway, going back to setting the setting the vibe here, setting the, setting the stage, as they say, I have a bouquet of sunflowers here that are getting illuminated by the candlelight and the kicker. I am completely alone in the apartment besides the cat <laughs> and it's kind of insane. Don't get me wrong. I love living with roommates. I love having people around. It's definitely a breath of fresh air, especially living in quarantine, but I am fully alone right now for the first time in a couple of weeks. Love you, Julia, but she's actually on a date right now. Details to come on that. Um, she's been talking to someone for a while now and they just finally met up, both COVID negative. Don't worry, don't jump to that. I feel like I, I have to say that. I hate that I have to say that and it's like her life, so I'm not going to discuss any more than that, but you know, just felt like I needed to say that. So, and the reason why I'm saying this in general is just, it's just very, it's funny because I, in my friend group, have really done a 180 in terms of how I spend my time now and just what I'm focusing on. I'm going to get into that in the episode, but a big change, you know, in me that's happened since moving to LA is I am so much less focused now on relationships, on romance, on dating. And I know you guys are going to ask or wonder, uh, is the podcast still going to be about dating? Because your podcast is literally Life, Love, and New York City. Well, it was. I just changed it to Life, Love, and Dirty Martinis, which is still extremely on brand. Um, you guys voted for that on Instagram, so thank you for helping me with that. I feel like it's just, you know, it's my drink of choice. It's my uh, my poison. But anyway, in my friend group, I was always the one going on all the dates. Like, I'd go on two dates a week back in New York. I was just so hell-bent on figuring out who the heck I'm supposed to be with and like forcing fate in a way, kind of forcing things to happen. I have a whole episode on this. It's called Forcing It and Faking It. I think that's what it's called. But yeah, I have decided it's like kind of my new goal out here in LA. I'm like kind of, you know, I'm starting a fresh new chapter of my book, the book of Katie. I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to make it a goal of mine to focus more on, you know, I have many passions, one of them being just art I guess that's kind of like a broad term for all the things that I love to do the pretty things the lettering the graphic design the painting that I don't do but I want to do and all those various things the doodling the the printmaking just like all the stuff that I I do and it really lights up a part of me and then I'm like oh you know I it's not realistic to do this or like you know I have other things I need to prioritize or you know I'm 24 almost 25 and all my friends are you know in relationships or perfectly content being single and I'm not you know <laughs> what's wrong like I, I just kind of had this like I, I wasn't really restful in New York and I feel like that's the best way to put it I was very much like nothing was ever enough for me I was never satisfied and that was honestly the reason why you know after going on all these dates every single week and talking to you guys about it which was so fun and like honestly I don't regret the dates but I do regret kind of forcing myself to do things I didn't really even want to do because I felt pressure to, to have someone to talk to all the time. And, you know, it's a very valid 
valid pressure, a valid want to have, you know, even during quarantine when it's really unrealistic to go on dates a lot, you know, you're on the apps and scrolling or, you know, reigniting previous flames and just talking to people you wouldn't really be talking to if you weren't so, you know, fed up, pent up inside. And there's this want, this legitimate want to be talking to someone or someone caring about you. And that's just, you know, it's a fundamental human desire, honestly, for many of us. I won't say all, but for many of us, we really do crave, you know, attention and connection with other people, even if we won't admit it. It's just kind of fundamentally how humans are. So can't feel guilty for that, but I have decided to make it a very conscious, very intentional thing. You guys know my, my word for 2020 was intentional. Uh, even though you know 2020 has panned out to be a little bit different than we expected, I still do feel intentional in what I've been doing Um <laughs> you know, moving to the different side of the country, to the west side of the country. Could I not even say west side? I'm still getting used to the geography of the United States, but also the west coast. Um, You know, moving, I think packing up and moving was definitely very intentional, but you know, anyway. So, you know, you've heard it here first, guys. I'm going to try to focus more on the art, you know, and less on the romance. And guys, I'm not lying when I say that was actually something I put in my notes that I needed to tell you all, that I am focusing on the art over the romance. I'm kind of saying it almost as like a manifestation. I kind of want to will myself to focus on things that I know will make me happy and that won't make me cry at 2 a.m. into a slice of pizza. You know, there's just like (laughs) priorities these days. Um, Art doesn't make me sad all the time. So anyway, I'm going to be focusing on that. I am going to march myself with a mask on to Blick Art Supplies, my favorite art supply store. It's called Blick with a B. Um, There is a bunch of them in New York and they're my favorite stores. I just get lost in there. It's like a kid in a candy shop with me in Blick Art Supplies. And I, upon literally when I touched down at LAX and we were driving from LAX to our house here, Julia picked me up. We drove past a Blick Art Supplies and for some reason it was just kind of like a little symbol to me that like, okay, Katie, this is like your time to shine with your art, with things that you've never had time to do conventionally and maybe, you know, for the first time ever focus on the things that bring you joy. It doesn't need to be a million things. It can be just a few things that really bring you joy and maybe don't focus on the things that you really hate doing, you know, and like, Honestly, I feel like if you really do some soul searching and think to yourself, you know, what are some things that I'm doing right now that I hate so much? I mean, there's certain things like work that like, you know, you're never going to fully adore every element of your job. That's just kind of the nature of work. Like even if you're doing work that you love, like me, there's still things that, you know, you don't love about it, like the accounting element and the the taxes, the logistics, the invoicing like that. I don't think anyone just like loves. I mean, of course, accountants probably like doing that, but, you know, not everyone loves every single element of their job. It's very difficult to find that. But, you know, there are some things people, you know, they they do, they put up with that they hate doing when they don't even need to do it. They, they don't get paid to do it. They just do it because of status or because, you know, it makes them look good for other people. I don't know. There's just like certain things that I've definitely been guilty of doing, trends that I've followed, things that I've done where I'm just like, oh, I really don't enjoy this, you know, and it even could be like a quantity thing. Like, you know, oh, I do like doing this, but not every single day or not, you know, at the the magnitude that I do, but, you know, other people are in my ear and whatnot. And, you know, for me, 
one thing that comes to mind is like, I, I enjoy making YouTube videos. Don't get me wrong. I've been doing this for 11 years, but I did not enjoy when I felt like it was a like I had to post every single week. I had to have a fully polished up video every week. Like I felt a super massive weight of a pressure on me to do that every single week. And I found a lot more joy in uploading where I, when I feel like I have something to say, <laughs> when I feel like I have something valuable to bring to the table, like a good ass video. Like I really admire creators that, you know, maybe don't work all the time on a schedule, but just really feel compelled to post a certain video or to talk about something like off on the fly or whatever that phrase is. Like, I really appreciate that in creators. And that's something that I've always envied of other people. But then I realized like, I am the only person that can really change how I'm, you know, operating on YouTube and things like that. And I feel like this is like a constant realization that I come to with a lot of things. I kind of just forget that I have a choice in the matter sometimes. I always just think, you know, oh, I moved to New York City. It's a lot of work to leave. Like, you know, I feel like I'm not miserable, so I should just stay put, you know? And other people are expecting me to do that. But then I was like, you know what? Not for me anymore. I'm gonna, you know, do something super unexpected, but the best possible thing for me right now that I've always kind of in my heart known that I wanted to do, I'm gonna like, you know, do that. Carpe the fucking diem and do something for myself. So yeah, you know, midway through 2020, I'm setting a new goal for myself, valuing, you know, romance a little bit less. Why do I keep saying it like that? Romance a little bit less and, you know, just kind of reprioritizing things in my life. And I I really do. I keep coming back to this concept of fewer is better sometimes. I think I talked about this in a recent episode. I'm not quite sure if I did, but Oh, essentialism. Duh. Yeah, it was a recent episode. It was like two episodes ago I talked about this. I can't keep track. Um, But, you know, of course, practicing essentialism and just, you know, considering the fact that, you know, having the most things, the most people in my life maybe isn't always the best thing. And the same goes for things that I'm doing. And as a multi-hyphenate person, I've touched on this a lot before and multi-hyphenate is a phrase I've used a bunch but if you guys don't know what that means it means kind of what it sounds like you know having a lot of hyphens in your title when you're kind of describing yourself Um, like just all the things that you do and you know doing a lot of different things I don't think that you should necessarily you know back yourself into a corner and really just cover one niche I think that you should be multifaceted I think it's just good for you and it makes you feel good to like have some other things, you know, that aren't just like one niche thing that could go out of style or that you might get sick of or something. But I also think that there is a pressure to be good at everything and to cover every single base. And I'm here to tell you and kind of tell myself that it's okay to specialize in things and not have the answers for every career, every every single thing you know as a graphic designer I feel like a lot of times people expect me to do it all you know to do web design to do you know computer coding and whatever they call that I took like two classes on it in college um, which I respect the hell out of anyone who's a coder especially women coders there's not a lot of them Um, but I don't do that and I don't sometimes I felt like I need to do that like I need to do it all I need to cover every base I need to say yes to every project and I love (laughs) that I've been able to grow up in the past few years, put my big girl pants on and say no and say, you know what? I'm not, you know, qualified for that. I'm not specialized in this and not take it as a, you know, a white flag of defeat or like, you know, I I can't do it. So that makes me less of a person instead of, 
you know, jumping to that, I recommend a friend. I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. I can do this for you. But you know what? There's this really great person that I know that could do this for you. And that person does specialize in it. Not only are you helping out a friend, I'm thinking more so in the graphic design realm, but you're also just, you're not overworking yourself. You're not, you know, convincing yourself you need to have, you need to touch everything. You need to have your hand in everything because what you're doing right now is enough. And I think I need to say that to myself often and you probably need to hear it too. What you're doing is enough. Like you are enough. I was in this um, Business Insider panel with amazing people last week. First of all, like awesome opportunity. Business Insider, like how on earth, like do you know who I am? It's just incredible. Like I am one of those people that like does not have any right to be in business. Okay, that's like talking down on myself. You know, I'm I'm pretty cool. Um, Business Insider though, like huge opportunity. And they reached out to me to be a part of this um, panel just discussing, you know, uh, making money during quarantine slash just like all of my revenue streams and stuff. And I talked a lot about Patreon, which I really, you know, super proud of you guys know I won't shut up about it, but the panel was amazing, but just something I did take away from it or kind of recall. And I still remember is the beginning of the panel when I was introducing myself because every person uh, went around and said, hi, I'm so-and-so here's what I do. And for a lot of people, it was super concise, you know, like I am an author, I am like, whatever. I mean, that was not said, but it was an example, (laughs) you know? And for me, I kind of froze and I was like, oh gosh, like I do so many things. And then of course, you know, the imposter syndrome, like weird feelings kick in. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I don't even do any of these things extremely well. Like maybe I'm just like sort of good, like somewhat good at a million things and not really good at any of them. And that's kind of a toxic, it is a toxic mentality to have. You can't think like that. You can't. But it did lead me to think about maybe, you know, I should look at all of the things I do and maybe not pick and choose per se, but maybe find a way where I don't feel like I'm constantly overworking myself. And, you know, because like I said in the essentialism episode, uh, definitely listen to that one if you haven't, two episodes ago, you know, if you're saying yes to something, if you have a full list of things you're, you're up to, you say yes to one thing, you're essentially saying no to another thing because you are using that time. You're prioritizing the time, but that means you're ultimately saying no to something else. If you're saying yes to filming a video, you're saying no to, you know, podcasting, for example. Not to say you're not going to do it eventually, but you are like your time is limited and you do sometimes need to prioritize things. And, you know, as I was thinking through this, I received a DM from one of you guys. You guys have impeccable timing, like always know when to send me things to work into the podcast. So thank you. Um, I don't know how this follower knew, but they knew what I was thinking. Um, And they introduced me to the concept of shiny object theory which I, or no, syndrome, sorry. I'm just obsessed with my freaking theories. Shiny object syndrome. And this is the tendency for someone to chase many new things, be obsessed with a lot of things, business ideas, tools, goals, skills, rather than staying focused on what they're doing in the given moment and the project they're working on. And I don't know about you guys, but especially when Instagram put out the reels option and as a social media person myself, like this is my job, I became so overwhelmed by it. Just the idea of having another shiny new thing out there that I need to jump on, you know, another bandwagon, another thing. And I feel like our world is very good at just like 
inventing new shiny things that we want to be a part of like a million different you know business ventures or just like new hobbies and skills and I think it's so great to try new things and to branch out but I also think that there is an importance in being disciplined and in being you know organized and not distracted all the time by pretty things and shiny things that's something I'm really I'm really bad at and of course it's not a romantic idea to be you know putting your nose to the grindstone and getting shit done 24 7 and I hate hustle culture I'm gonna be the first to fucking say it I hate hustle culture I think that it's a toxic idea Um, you know, I think working hard is great, but I think the idea that you need to be hustling, grinding 24 seven is toxic. I think that rest is so important and, you know, factoring in rest into your schedule, literally like taking naps is the most beautiful thing that I've discovered in my adulthood. Like, I think it's the most amazing thing ever, but you know, you can't really do that if you're throwing a gazillion things into your day to day, a lot of which aren't sustainable or, or are, you know, things you're going to start and then stop. Like I know so many people that, you know, back in the day when YouTube was up and coming and I started my channel when I was 14, I remember so many people starting around the same time as me and getting super frustrated by their numbers to the point where they just stopped or they were just, you know, not going to put in the effort to sustain their channel and to put work into it. And it's the most amazing, like I'm literally sitting here smiling like a freaking idiot next to my wine glass, but like, it's a really rewarding feeling to work really hard for something, but you know, also love it, not just do it because you have to, but do it because you love it, but work hard at something and be able to look back and think, oh my God, thank goodness I stuck with this. Thank God I did that, you know? And that's YouTube for me. And right now I feel like there's a huge surge in people starting podcasts, which I think is so cool because I love having a podcast. It's like my literal diary. So I love I love this thing with all of my life. I love that you guys somehow want to listen to me every week. It's very cool. <laughs> Thank you for supporting. But, you know, people are starting podcasts. People are starting a lot of things. My friend Julia was even saying that she, um, her and my other friend Pooja want to start an IGTV series or something. And I was like, yes, like do that. That's a shiny thing, but you know, it's something that you can stick with. Like shiny things can become things that you stick with and you do, and they become part of your freaking job title someday. But for me, in terms of just goals, you know, and ways that I'm fighting the shiny object syndrome, kind of deciding internally that it's okay if I'm not the jack of all trades, because you know, that quote, it's like jack of all trades, master of none. That's like a quote people say, I think you know, if you are good at every or doing everything, if your hands are in every single honeypot out there, it's like, you're not going to always be, you know, the master of all you can't, there's just no way I don't think. Um, but you need to put in time to things that you really love that really, you know, pull at your heartstrings in a way. And for me, you know, I've started a bunch of like projects and there's been a lot of projects I've started and haven't finished. And I look back on those things and think, you know, oh, what if I stuck with that? You know, oh, like I wish I did. And, you know, I do weigh this. I weigh the shiny object syndrome issues and like how, you know, it isn't amazing having all these things. But then I also think, you know, if I didn't try new things and I didn't have a lot of things, I wouldn't have noticed or realized that I like something. So it's really like, it's kind of a combative ideal in my mind. And I still haven't like fully decided how I feel. So you guys let me know, DM me, let me know what you guys think about this. Uh, Maybe you had never heard of shiny object syndrome, like I hadn't, and maybe you don't. 
I don't know, grapple with having a million gazillion things going on, or maybe you do. So let me know what you guys think via DM. I love hearing your thoughts on this. And, you know, I've, I've actually done a little bit of research, of course, into shiny object syndrome and experts via personal ex- personalexcellence.co. That's a website, personal excellence. I was on personalexcellence.co and I saw this. They suggest that a way to combat shiny object syndrome or a few ways is to, number one, stop seeing newer as better, which I do. I like that because I feel like as soon as something new comes out, we drop the pre-existing thing and you know, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Like I can distinctly recall when Snapchat had Snapchat stories. Well, they still do. But then Instagram came out with Instagram stories and everyone was like, Ooh, you know, I'm not cheating on Instagram stories or I'm not cheating on Snapchat stories with Instagram. Like I think that it's kind of shitty that Instagram stole Snapchat's mojo, you know, stole their thing, stole their thunder with stealing stories. And then now it's like, when was the last time I posted a Snapchat story? Like, not recently and you know sometimes I don't know it's just sometimes newer can be better but most of the time it's kind of like an exception to the rule I think that I mean hey we always think that vintage is better and things whoa something just like fell outside my window and I just literally guys I jumped out of my chair like my my butt left the chair anyway okay next thing next next uh expert opinion learn to see past the hype which I kind of, I like. This is honestly kind of turning into me saying be a hipster. Remember when hipsters were like, that word was such a buzzword when like, what's that one song that I just like really distinctly attribute to hipster, that whole thing? Um, hands in, wait, sweater. Oh, what's that song? It's like, um, little high-waisted shorts. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, all I am is a man whatever that song is you know what I'm talking about anyway uh learn to see past the hype maybe reels is not the kitten caboodle the best thing ever all that in a bag of chips I don't know next thing assess its fit with your work and your life okay I like that if it's like gonna take away from everything that you're working on and distract you too much maybe it's not a good a wise use of your time and understand yourself in the way that you work. Fight FOMO. That was actually one that I threw in, in my notes. And I think that for me, I threw that one in because I feel that this is how I'm going to work this into my life. It's not a one size fits all thing, but I think that, you know, I even now, it's been like in the past year I've started doing this in my daily calendar or my daily, what's it called? Um, itinerary, not an itinerary, like to-do list, I guess. I actually have these pages that I, um, print out and I use I'm actually spoiler alert going to make them or mass produce them for you guys so you guys can buy them uh not for a whole lot of money they're super simple things but there's something that I just like it's my holy grail my bread and butter of my day but I actually on these planning sheets work in time where I literally I label it either sleep like for napping or play which is me just like fucking around and doing things but I think you know if I just like have a throwaway day which I don't do often it's like more like a vacation day me as my own boss I give myself vacay days sometimes but you know sometimes I feel like if I don't have that sort of structure in my life I I feel like I just, I don't do well in those circumstances of not having structure even if it means that having that structure be scheduled time for me to fuck around and, you know, play around with painting or other art forms and things. I don't know. I just, I feel like for me, that's just how I work best. So if there are shiny things that are in my peripheral that I'm trying or seeing, 
they're kind of, they are, oh my God, Julia just texted me. Sorry, she just texted me about her date. She goes, he is bae. Oh my God, I can't wait to get the whole scoop after. Anyway, where was I? Shiny objects. Okay, just, you know, putting shiny objects in their place and being organized in the sense that like they, there is a time and place for them. And, you know, I don't have to do everything. You know, I can do anything, but not everything. I think that's the most important mentality to have in my opinion so I value play I don't value grinding and like just obsessing over work I think you should have time to breathe you should not be forgetting to eat lunch you know I've heard like people say oh my god I was working so hard I just like forgot to eat or like I didn't have time that breaks my heart there should always be time for food so I don't know know yourself know your balance know when things when shiny objects are taking over your life and Find a way to organize them into your life so you can have fun but not go crazy and stay disciplined in the places where you need to be. I don't know. That's just kind of how I see it. I know I've been like talking about this for a long while in the episode. I do want to get into our pirate queen. Uh, Can't wait to share this story with you guys about Grace O'Malley. Um, But before we get into that and segue, I want to introduce a sponsor for this episode. This episode of Thick and Thin is sponsored by Gladskin. And let me tell you a little bit about them. So I personally, I don't know about you guys, but I love good news in my life. And earlier this year, I made a YouTube video where I opened up about my biggest insecurities. It was super difficult for me to film, but I felt like it would really help so many people. And it really did. And the video was actually all about my struggles with eczema, which has bugged me for years. I've had the most horrendous, just painful eczema on my hands, on my arms, on my face, under my eyes, just really in various parts of my body and it's been a massive insecurity of mine I've had to cover up my body with clothing and just different accessories just being so fearful that people would see my eczema and not to mention it was super uncomfortable and I discovered Gladskin eczema cream about like six months ago I think now and it's really changed my life. Gladskin scientists actually found that nearly all people with eczema have a bacterial imbalance in their skin meaning their skin's microbiome is just out of whack and Gladskin eczema cream with microbalance is so much more than just another moisturizer on the shelf. It works by rebalancing your skin's microbiome and providing relief from that itchy redness situation that I just I know so well because I've experienced it my whole life with eczema and I noticed a huge transformation in my skin after only two days of using it. It's just amazing how quickly and efficiently it works. Um, It's a really unique product and I've noticed so much change in my skin. I use it twice a day or more than that sometimes and it's just really unique. It's um, already been a proven solution for eczema relief in Europe for five years and it just became available in the U.S. this year. Wish I knew about it sooner. It's different from steroids and traditional over-the-counter moisturizers because they don't rebalance the skin's microbiome. What's worse, they actually contain preservatives, which kills all the bacteria, even the good bacteria that's needed for healthy skin. So I like to say that Gladskin works smarter, not harder, making it safe for everyone, even little babies as young as three months old. You just apply it twice a day, daily, even on sensitive areas like eyelids. I get it super bad right underneath my eyes and it's a really sensitive area and I don't find that it really irritates my skin at all. It doesn't 
at all. I have very sensitive skin. And even when your skin feels fine or you have no flare-ups, it's good just to use as a moisturizer. Um, it can be used proactively to keep eczema under control and you can't overuse it. That's not a thing. So it's free of steroids, fragrances, preservatives, and drying alcohols. It's been clinically proven to reduce eczema itch and redness. And there are no drug side effects. It's been clinically tested. It's hypoallergenic, dermatologist recommended, and accepted by the National Eczema Association. And you can get it shipped right to your door at gladskin.com. And it's backed by the Gladness Guarantee. You can try it risk-free for 60 days. Love it or your money back. If you guys suffer from eczema or know someone that does, definitely try out Gladskin. I have been such a proponent of it for so long because I believe that it truly does work and I use it myself twice a day. So be sure to check it out, get some for yourself and use my code Katie10, that's K-A-T-Y 10 for 10% off any $35 plus Gladskin purchase and that includes standard free shipping. So use my code K-A-T-Y 10 on gladskin.com for 10% off. All right, guys, I am taking a long sip of my soft blanc because we are getting into such, <laughs> such a story, guys. Like, this is like one for the freaking books, okay? Mm. Nice big sip of my soft blanc. Okay, so let's take a trip back in time to 16th century. Well, actually, we're going to start out in 14th century, but we're going to jump to 16th century after that. So get ready. We're going back in time. It's real vintage where we're going. We're talking about Grace O'Malley, the 16th century pirate queen. Many of you guys have heard of her. I teased this episode on Instagram and a lot of you guys, especially those who are Ireland based, were like, thank God you're talking about a badass Irish lady. She killed it back in her time. Uh, and like a lot of you guys had learned about her in school or just like knew about her from folklore and things like that. And so I really, truly hope I'm doing Doing her story justice. It's actually kind of embarrassing how long I spent yesterday poring over just all of these handwritten letters she'd written, just like all this historical stuff on her, docu-series on her, not much honestly, like not many. There should be a freaking full-blown movie about her. Like this story, I don't know how Hollywood has not gotten their hands on this yet. It's just like so it's like a hot, hot to the touch story. Like I just like, it's, it's insane. I can't wait to tell you guys, should I get into it? Probably. Anyway, badass lady, let's get it going. Okay. So we're going back to early 14th century. Clan O'Malley is a great seafaring family. They rose to their power in Ireland. Of course, their coat of arms bore the Latin motto, Terra Marique Putens, which means valiant by sea and by land. So ultimately, they do it all. And Grace was absolutely no exception to this, as you will see. And I think, arguably, and many other sources agree, that the most famous of this clan is Grace O'Malley. Uh, maybe just the best one, I think. The one that I researched. So she was actually dubbed the Pirate Queen by many historians and people that just love her story. Um, I'll get into this later in the episode, but it's actually remarkable and interesting how majority of the accounts are just the works on her, the written word about her, a lot of which is folklore and stories. And we don't know what really is true or false, but they're all really incredible. So I'm going to share it all in this episode. But there's not a lot about her. Um, there's, there should be more, rather, I think. And I, I do think that we've made great strides in documenting women better in history. I feel like she, a lot of the accounts that describe her are English uh, or English accounts, or English uh, history books and things of that nature. 
um, because she was written out of a lot of Irish history uh, due to the fact that she was a woman, due to the fact that she was a pirate and engaged in illegal things for her time. And I think that's, it's a shame, but it's also just interesting. I think I should just note that. So a lot of this, there's a lot of conflicting stuff I saw online, but I'm going to paint her story in the best way I can. So back in 14th century, Clan O'Malley was formed and Grace O'Malley was around during the 1500s. So she was born around 1530, most likely off the west coast of Ireland, perhaps near Clue Bay. Um, And her father his name was Owen. These are the American um, names. I will go into the Irish names, which are different. Um, but her father, Owen, was the leader of a great seafaring clan, which ruled the waves near a kill island, uh, it's called, for over 300 years. Um, and Grace's name in Irish, like I said, is, it's called Grania, Grania Niwili. Grania, but it's spelled G-R-A-I-N-N-E. Um, And this has led to many different spellings and pronunciations of her name. Of course, people thought it was like granny or grainy, but we're going to call her Grace because that is the American or the English translation. And legend has it that when Grace was a young girl, uh, she always, of course, loved the sea and things of that nature because of just the way she was grown up or brought up. But she really wanted to travel on an expedition with her father. She wanted to go on trips out to sea. And of course, she was told, you know, during her time, Time. She couldn't go because she's a woman or a young girl at the time, but she also couldn't go because she had this long hair that would, quote, catch in the ropes. And so to embarrass her parents, this is when she's very young, probably around 14 or so, uh, she cut off most of her hair. just so she would look like a boy so it wouldn't get caught in the ropes so she was fit to sail and she earned the nickname uh, Grace Mahal which meant bald grace or uh, Grania Grania Mahal I don't know how to say that exactly but she essentially earned the nickname bald grace when she was on these expeditions her father eventually let her come I don't know if she snuck on board or what but she was very mischievous so it makes sense and she was told to hide below deck if the ship was ever to be attacked so she went on these expeditions with all these men and I suppose as was customary for pirate expeditions they got you know looted or attacked often I guess I don't know Um, but yeah so she was told basically on these expeditions that she was always to hide below deck if this was to happen so in one instance she did not listen she flat out didn't listen she climbed to the top of the mast like on the boats the mast sail rigging and watched the entire battle happening below and just like could not help herself at one point she leapt off of the mast like apparently jumped down onto the back of an English sailor so it was like kind of the English against the Irish Irish against the English for much of this story um, because you know the English were taking over Irish land back in this time so she leapt on the back of an English sailor causing such a distraction people were just shocked that her father and the crew was able to regain control of the ship so She was, you know, at that point kind of like, okay, you know, we understand, we respect her, we're going to let her kind of like in on this. Um, And so she was known to be ruthless and quickly she proved herself to be a natural leader. So much so that she actually inherited her father's position when he died, even though she had an older brother. Imagine being that older brother and being like, my hothead little sister got my job, basically. (laughs) Like, that must have been an interesting, awkward conversation. But as the leader of her clan when her father died, she expanded her power through marriage multiple times, which we'll get into, and acquired large portions of land and was actually one of the few pirates in history we read about that was not killed 
killed. She just died of natural causes, which again, we'll get into, but I just think that's interesting to know. So when Grace was 15 years old, it was 1546, she had her first marriage. She married Donald O'Flaherty, son of the clan O'Flaherty chieftain, uh, basically a big wig, another clan, just, you know, the marriage was a political gain. I don't know if she, I mean, she stayed with him for, I think, yeah, 19 years. So quite some time. So I feel like they must have had some feelings for each other. I don't know. They also had three children. But his nickname was Donald of the Battles, owing to his love of fighting, which is ironic because he will die that way as well. So like I said, she had three children with him, Owen, Margaret, and Marach. They were married for 19 years, and Grace was the driving force in the marriage. She masterminded, actually during this marriage and using the resources they had joint, she masterminded a trading network to Spain and Portugal, leading raids on other vessels, all while balancing having three children in the mix and this real hot head of a husband. <laughs> and he actually fought so fiercely and arrogantly in battle that he was given this nickname, Donald the Cock. I did not make that up. Donald the Cock. And the castle was named Cox Castle, in which Grace lived and her three kids. So when her husband was actually, he was killed during fighting ashore. So he was like on an on-land fighter, and Grace was very skilled in sea. Um, so Grace was 23, so she'd been married for about 19 years or so. Um, she took over his castle and all of his ships after he died. Um, and this is where it gets super steamy, guys. After her first marriage, she's around 23 at the time when the marriage ended because of his death. And she had these three kids, but that did not stop her from taking a lover, a non-political, not a marriage. She had a full-on lover, which was unheard of at the time. She actually rescued this shipwrecked sailor and she was just infatuated with this guy, like in love with him. Again, this should just be a Hollywood blockbuster. It would kill it, honestly. I would watch it. His name was Hugh DeLacy. And tragically, their relationship was super brief because he was actually killed by this clan called the McMahons of Balavoy. But when he was killed, um, he was murdered by a member of this other family. Grace actually led a brutal assault on their castle and slaughtered all of his killers. She was devastated by this. I think she actually really loved him. Uh, Hugh DeLacy, the one that got away. But she soon finds a rebound, a political rebound. She gets married again uh, for politics. This is in 1566. Uh, she got married again, this time to Richard. This is his full name, Richard Iron Dick of the Burke. I'm not kidding. Once again, she has a thing for guys with interesting genitalia names. Um, he was another land fighter like her previous husband. She was ultimately very skilled in sea, so it kind of made sense politically. And it was actually, it was strictly a by-the-books political marriage. Um, she wanted to gain control over more land, ultimately. And so she it was fully strategy-based on her end. She marched into the front door to this guy Richard's front door and proposed to him and she goes like let's get married but only for one year so in Ireland at the time it was perfectly kosher to quote marry for one year certain and it was fully legal to just have a one-year fling um, marriage that was like legal and all that so with this marriage she gained control of Rockfleet Castle near Newport and after the year she swiftly divorced Richard calling out of a window 
legend has it. Richard Burke, I dismiss you. (laughs) Savage move, guys. This is why I love this woman. And he was apparently so in love with her, though, that he never remarried and he um, stayed legally married to her, more so for her benefit. Um, So she could, you know, have ownership of certain things that women weren't allowed to in the time. So she, I mean, apparently he was very infatuated with her. I don't really know specifics, but she was like, you know, dude, see ya. This was great for a year. I got what I wanted from you and we're good. So she divorced him, but she was pregnant at the time while she divorced him. She still did it and she lived at the castle without him. Um, And folklore actually suggests that Grace was pregnant with her fourth child. His name was Tyboid or Tibbet or Tebow, I don't really know how to say that, uh, well at sea. So within an hour of giving birth, legend has it, she was out at sea on an expedition and gave birth to her child. I assume there was probably no other women on board, so I don't really know how that happened or how she did it on her own, but incredible. And then within an hour of giving birth, Algerian pirates ambushed and boarded her ship. So... I don't know how on earth she summoned up the courage to do this, but she wrapped the child in a blanket and had the child in one arm and she appeared on deck with a gun in the other and rallied her crew. And in the end, she ended up capturing their ship, the Algerian pirate's ship, instead of them capturing hers. And she had literally just given birth. I don't know how that's possible, but pretty badass if you ask me. And it's also said that she used to tie the mooring ropes of her galley, so like her the ropes, to her bed through her bedroom window. So she was always ready to get on board the ship. So like the, the, the lines from the ship, they're called lines, not ropes. I keep having to catch myself because my dad would be very disappointed if he knew I kept calling them ropes because they are lines. But she would have the lines from her ship literally somehow so long and tied to her bed that she could just like whip them off and go like that. Like, I don't know if she slept on the dock or like what the deal was, but yeah, she was very devoted to her ships and to her, her goals. And so although the English were expanding into Ireland at this time, but Grace was kind of, you know, in her own realm, doing her own thing. The English didn't really bother her. Um, I mean, she was kind of untouchable in Ireland. She was super resilient and popular across the region. And she was just a legend. An English lord actually once referred to her as, quote, a nurse of all rebellions in this province for 40 years. Um, She became known as a fearless leader, commanding three galleys, 20 ships, and over 200 men were loyal to her, which is incredible. Uh, But by 1584, the English had had enough of grace in all of her pirating ways, so they sent down a governor named Sir Richard Bingham, who actually imprisoned Grace's youngest son, took a lot of her land, made her broke, basically, tried to threaten her in that way, and Grace was pissed, to say the least. She set sail for London to meet with Queen Elizabeth I um, when she was 56. So she was 56 at this time, in her 50s, and was like, not taking, you know, this lying down. So she went, she marched or sailed to London to have a personal meeting with Queen Elizabeth I. She showed up in a gown, Like this pirate queen who like swings from, you know, ropes and masts and all the things, swings from sails, I guess we could say, uh, shows up in a gown and it was a huge risk. She could have been thrown straight into jail and executed, but fortunately for her, Queen Elizabeth was 
kind of intrigued by her rebellious nature and respected her, you know, being in a similar boat herself uh, in England. So Grace and Elizabeth, you know, they shared something in common. They were both super powerful women in a man's world. And, you know, through a lot of letters back and forth and petitioning, she secured this one-on-one meeting. There were other people in the court, but, you know, she had this time with Queen Elizabeth. Uh, she and Queen Elizabeth did not like Grace, like for many reasons. They didn't even speak the same language. They had to speak. They had to converse. Um, I'll get to that. But anyway, so Grace uh, refused to bow when she got to the palace. She refused to bow before Elizabeth and did not recognize her as the true queen of Ireland, naturally. And the the meeting actually, it had been off to kind of a bad start at first because guards actually found a knife hidden in Grace's magnificent gown. And she refused to relinquish it. She's like, I need it for my safety. And luckily, Queen Elizabeth was like, that's all right. She's good. Like, somehow was okay with that. Um, And apparently, as Grace was in court, she sneezed. And, you know, one of the people in the court gave her this handkerchief, this, like, lacy handkerchief um, from a noblewoman. And she apparently blew her nose into it and threw it into the fire, which people were shocked about, like, just thought it was the craziest thing. And she was like, eh. Like, I can already picture her doing this. Again, Hollywood blockbuster. It needs to be one. So they actually conversed and negotiated in Latin because Elizabeth did not speak Irish and uh, Grace did not speak English. So they both knew Latin. So they conversed in this language and they had this grand negotiation. Essentially, Elizabeth wanted Grace to stop all her pirating and all the rebellions and things and let her do her thing, you know, ruling Ireland, taking the lands, all that. Um, And Grace just, of course, wanted her son back. She wanted, um, you know, this guy, Bingham, to stop bothering her and taking her money and her family members. And so they came to a little agreement. The agreement did not last long. It was written, like handwritten and, you know, signed, sealed, delivered to Grace to bring back with her. Um, But of course, you know, or not of course, but I don't know. Elizabeth did not hold up her end of the bargain. So Grace got right back into rebelling against the English. And luckily she had her son back, but she did not stop trying to take the English down. And every time the English attacked one of her ships, she had no remorse and killed off a lot of people in the process. And it was funny because Elizabeth actually referred to her in her letters and in her notes, referred to Grace as, you know, pity to be had of this aged woman. Um, you know, it was like talking about, you know, about Grace saying she was so old where it's very funny because they were actually the same age, basically. They were like two years shy of each other. And Elizabeth just like thought she was so ancient. It's so funny how women can be so petty. Um, but she said, uh, in her notes, she will fight in our quarrel with all the world. So she really thought Grace was a hothead. And so, Um, As a pirate, Grace was largely, like I said, written out of Irish history. Um, So there's not much to be known of the later parts of her life. We don't really know what happened to her um, besides the fact that she uh, died of natural causes. She had all of these children um, and continued her pirating hopefully. I feel like it definitely, I don't feel like she just like stopped at any point or else we'd probably know. Um, But yeah, so contemporary Irish historians 
were usually religious monks and, you know, being a, a woman and so rebellious, Grace was really ignored in their writings and people didn't really keep track of her. So um, it's hard to pinpoint the precise year of her death, but modern historians think that she died at Rockfleet Castle, uh, the, the castle that she stole from her, or not stole, acquired from her ex-husband in 1603, which is coincidentally the same year that Elizabeth I died. So they died the same year. I think that's incredible. I hope it's true. It's just so interesting. Um, but she was buried uh, in the Abbey on Clare Island, the same Abbey that she went to learn to read and write as a child, which I think is a nice little ending to the story. Um, she was a freaking badass. I think she she just shows us that, you know, of course, I think defying norms is incredible, but also just you know, yeah, she, I just, I'm shocked. I'm intrigued. I wish I knew about her story sooner. I think there's so much we can take from this story. And I'm so happy that I learned about her. I like stumbled across her on a Reddit thread and I was just like, I need to tell the podcast. I need to tell them about this woman. She's incredible. Um, I wish more was known about her. I have this photo that, or this painting someone painted of what she could have looked like and she's like wielding a pistol in one hand and like or both hands and has like she's dressed as a man but she has this like long flowing hair tied back and like she looks just so powerful and I just think it's incredible she you know knew what she was after she did find love along the way but she was just really driven and accomplished her goals she literally stood in front of elizabeth the first and like negotiated in latin like she's such a badass so incredible okay that's the story of grace o'malley i hope that made your day a little better just hearing about a badass woman and that would maybe inspire you to go on with the rest of your day determined and inspired so yeah that's the story hope you guys enjoy this episode we talked about shiny objects and pirate queens what an awesome spread we got here and I'm almost done my glass of wine. So, uh, that's a wrap. I'll talk to you guys all next Thursday and I'm making a little goal for myself to have a martini in hand for our next episode because my martini supplies are currently being shipped out here from New York still. There's been like delays. So I'm still waiting for all of my like little miscellaneous things to make it out here. So like my entire kitchen set and everything. So when my martini supplies are out here, you bet your butt I'll be drinking that during a future episode. So stay tuned for that. We're going to hold up to the namesake, life, love, and dirty martinis. Stay tuned. Okay. See you guys next week. Mm-hmm.